welcome to episode 165 of Friends of Film. We're here to bring you the latest movie news and review the biggest new release, which this week is Captain Marvel. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, and this week I'm joined by Josh Draley. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hey, Cooper, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I didn't think of anything to say to start off the show. Uh-oh. But you've given up on the Lakers. I've given up on the Lakers. I mean, you have to give up on the Lakers yeah, yeah. because they're officially out of the playoff race. I mean, they, I mean they're not, not officially, officially eliminated, out. but it's like, what, they're like seven and a half games out now after their loss? Mm-hmm. So. And then you would be like, it's a statistical impossibility I mean, they, for them they, to win out and then every other team to like lose out. Or Well, you just need the to, Clippers or the Spurs to lose out. Right. Yeah. And losing, and like asking them to lose seven and a half or seven games straight. The yeah. End of the season yeah, when they're on yeah. the bubble of a playoff run is impossible to ask for. Basically, but um, I did watch the Neverland HBO documentary, oh. and I know I'm not going to take us into the dark twists and turns of that. You watched the whole thing? I've watched all four hours. Oof. Dark, disturbing, it but good, but like also like you know disturbing. But it's like in your mind, is it like very concrete that like? Yes, Michael Jackson did all these things. Yes. Okay. That's what I've heard. I'm just like, I feel like I need to watch it. And I've never had an opinion about it at all. But since everyone was talking about it all through there, and then since I didn't really care to debate about Steven Spielberg, so I just kind of <laughs> like jumped back to that. But, you know, for a more pleasant conversation. Well, I guess that's an <laughs> interesting fallback. <laughs> right. Um, but speaking of Spielberg and our thoughts on what he was saying, because we talked about those kind of like preemptively, um, you can find those on our Twitter feed at Friends in Film and the show, The Big Question, where we ask, what is streaming's future? Is it good? Is it bad? And we kind of take some digs at old man Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find those episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify, and really anywhere podcasts can be found. But if you can, on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. That will ultimately help rank us, and then we can find more friends of the show. Yeah, and if you do this in the next week, before we come back to record next week, uh, you can be entered to win a digital copy of First Man, because it's still open, still out there, anybody can win it. All you got to do is head over to iTunes and give us a review. Uh, or, I mean, I guess if you if you listen to us on a different platform than iTunes, like if mm-hmm. you listen to us on, uh, I don't even know what else is out there, Stitcher, Stitcher. and stuff, uh, leave us a review there if that's possible. And then send us a screenshot of that, and we can do it that way. So what, however you listen to us, just leave us a review, and that'd be great. Uh, but before we get into our review of Captain Marvel, Josh, did you watch anything else this week? Yes, I did. I've been on a Lord of the Rings extended edition rewatch, mm-hmm. but I finally, for the first time, watched the extended edition of Return of the King. Yeah, and like four hours. It is nuts how bad it is. How bad it is? It's terrible. Oh my goodness! Like usually, I like a lot of extended scenes or deleted scenes, but everything that Peter Jackson cut from that final film. Good job, like, <laughs> hand, like I applaud him. But, but the part where I was just like, "Thank gosh, this did not make it in," was when Sauron gets shot with an arrow off the tower, or no, he gets stabbed in the back by Grimer Wormtongue, and then he just like falls from the tower, gets pierced on a windmill, then the windmill turns around and drops his body into like the the chasms around Isengard. And it's just so hokey and insane 
to know that something like that happened, like initially was originally shot and ready to have happen. Oh. What's his fate in the original cut? In the original cut, he gets told by Treebeard that Saruman's in the tower, and then Gandalf's like, and there he shall remain. And then they all just ride away. And that's it. After he picks up the little crystal orb. I did not know that that was like the extended fate for like 10 years now, which is insane, ludicrous, and so, so bad. I mean, the rest is okay. So you'll never watch him again? Uh, I mean, I'll skip around that part because there's some good stuff everywhere else, especially between Pippin and um, Faramir. Mm -hmm. But that was just oh, so bad. (laughs) Oh, oh, so bad. But how how about you, man? Well, I also watched something that was very, very bad this week. Mm -hmm. Um but much worse than the Lord of the Rings movies, even the Hobbit movies. Uh, Polar on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Mads Mikkelsen, John Wick wannabe movie. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Like, it's the worst movie of the year, I think, for me. The worst movie, the worst movie. of the year? It is. It is so... Like, the first hour is, like, unwatchable because they have these, like, uh, terrible other assassins who are just, like, so over-the-top and just goofy and, like, the like... The director tries to go between all these tonal changes of like, all right, here's like a serious moment with Mads Mikkelsen, but then here's a moment of these other assassins shooting this giant fat guy a bunch of times, and then he farts. I'm like, <laughs> what? What is happening? And then they unload into the guy, and then mm-hmm. they're missing him, even though he's like two feet away. They're shooting all of his snacks. I'm just like, what is, what is happening with this movie? The only redeeming qualities is like there's like one decent hallway fight with Mads Mikkelsen. I was mm-hmm. like, all right. That was cool. And then Vanessa Hudgens is actually pretty good in the movie. Um, but I was just like, but like her character is just like, wait, what are you doing by the end of this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just so ridiculous and all over the place that I really could not find any enjoyment out of it beyond like, wow, this is so terrible. You can't forget about the Johnny Knoxville opening scene I definitely too, cannot. where he is it was gunned so down bad. <laughs> while taking like Cialis yep. or Viagra. Um well, they like it's the girl like there's like a whole cliche like where the girl's like the honey trap or the honey pot yeah. or whatever, and then they'll like use him and then they'll like roll up and then like shoot him from like it seems overly complex exactly. And why they need three of them? They have a sniper, and the sniper never goes for the head; he goes for the heart every time. I'm just like, and then they they, they pull around and do the same thing on Mad Mickelson, and he falls for it, but like or he's falling for it because they're like he's, he's, yeah, he's they're, going for it. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, they're getting after it with him, and then he's like all of a sudden like throws her like. This naked woman's body up and then it's just intense and weird and so bad it is in all the it ways. is terrible it's like it's not quite the room but it's like but it can get there <laughs> and the, the thing is they're planning they were planning on doing sequels to it. i know they set it up that way and i was like Whoa, no it was it was it was infuriating oh. um but thankfully captain marvel was out in theaters this week to mm-hmm. cleanse my soul and my faith in all things uh, movie related because thankfully the latest MCU flick did not disappoint for me. Uh, it is a really f- uh, fun 90s throwback, somewhat origin movie that's also kind of like mysterious and confusing because we are watching this movie as Carol Danvers, played by Brie Larson, is learning about her own past as well. So I like that element of it instead of just doing a traditional superhero origin. Here she is before her powers. Here she is with her powers. And now here she is once she's figured out how to use her powers. It's like, no, she already knows how to use her powers for the most part. And now she's set to figure out who she is that makes her having these powers different and makes that the special quality of her. So uh, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought Brie Larson was really good as Carol Danvers. I think it's a solid start for her that really shows the potential she can do 
in future movies because I think the only problem with her isn't necessarily her. It's more of the uh, script and like the plot of the movie that kind of burdens her performance in some, in some aspects where it's like, she's an Oscar winning actress for a reason, but you're like kind of keeping all of that, you know, hidden because she doesn't know who she is and she's a Cree warrior. So she's supposed to like subdue her own emotions. It's like, Oh, that's, I understand it, but I would have liked to see her just be herself the whole time. But I think that's what they'll be able to do in the future, obviously. So, um, the action was also really good. Not a surprise from all the movie. Um, whether it's the hand-to-hand combat, which I liked that aspect of it because it shows that Carol is a fighter with or without her powers. Mm-hmm. So that was like a nice, all right, even if she was didn't have all these crazy uh, photon blasting powers, like she would still be a force to be reckoned with uh, in some regards. Um, but I think the real standouts of this movie are Lashana Lynch as Maria Rambo. She really, really impressed me. And the relationship between Maria and... And Carol is probably one of the highlights for me of the film. There's also Nick Fury in here, mm-hmm. the de-aged Sam Jackson, who looks incredible. Uh, the only time you can really be like, oh, that's a 70-year-old man doing this is when he's like running around. So you're like, <laughs> right, doing like, stunts. He's, yeah, he's not as nimble as you know a 40-year-old Sam Jackson would have been. Um, but then also, big shout out to Ben Mendelsohn as Talos because uh, the scrolls are much more interesting in this film than I thought they had any credit or any reason to be mm-hmm. uh going to what i expected them to be in this film uh their effects look great in their transformations but also just the practical makeup that they put on ben Mendelssohn looks phenomenal and i'm just like yes very happy they went this round instead of just a totally cgi'd look for all the scrolls so uh i think i think the tone is right on uh right on par where it's comedic but it's not overly comedic but it's not you know too dramatic and so it's just kind of a classic mcu origin story with a different bit of a twist on it and i think there are some disappointments for me but we can get into those into spoiler territory mm-hmm. that's probably where they're best for um but overall nice start to the captain marvel franchise and i'll get four ticket stubs out of five okay fantastic yeah uh, captain marvel definitely has like a kooky um straight up odd energy to it in a lot of ways for better or for worse, and it's mostly for the better because you can feel almost you can if you've seen if you've seen Half Nelson or Mississippi Grind, uh, Mississippi Grind's the one that I think this movie reflects the most mm-hmm. from Bowden and Fleck. You can feel their kind of um, uh, you know pulsating energy with, with all through it, and even though it's an MCU movie, you that comes through you get some ultra sci-fi blade runnery vibes right off the top which i totally enjoyed with the planet halal hall Hala. Hala. thank you yeah like i totally dug the opening and like we're like oh they're embracing extraterrestrial sci-fi mm-hmm. stuff and then like take us in through all of that and brie larson's uh been here done that um like over this stuff mm-hmm. like demeanor is perfect for her cree warrior attitude but then also just the back and forth between her and sam jackson it reminded me of uh patriot games which is this harrison ford movie and it's just kind of like like his sort of like i've been here i've done that like that kind of like grumpy attitude but also like throwing the whip back and forth Mm -hmm. with each other fantastic and she's gonna fit right at home in any kind of marvel avenger concoction Mm -hmm. further down the road absolutely um but yeah first Superhero outings are always a little expedition, expositional he, uh, heavy, and they have to do, like, set up. Who are you? What are you? Rather than just kind of – they do a lot of more telling than showing mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And this movie is not 
an exception. It's like even it goes past that point, especially <laughs> with the memory vortex and how it slashes up Carol's origin story in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. We don't just get her origin story. We get like a whole backdrop. And right. a lot of it's cool, but also we're being thrown out of like the main narrative. And mm-hmm. so, Brie Larson doesn't get a chance to really be Carol Danvers or Veers or whoever she's trying to figure that out to be. And I think that definitely detracts from it. But you spoke right up about um, not only Ben Mendelsohn having weirdly having the best script of his life, but we can't see his performance because he's <laughs> underneath all of that scroll makeup. So that was infuriating, but also but you can great. still you can still get his performance through. You can feel it. But at the same time, you're like, oh, he's never. We're never gonna be able to like put this in his highlight clip or anything like that. Sure, Just, you like, can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you suppose you could, but at the same time, like when he eventually, like when we eventually re-remember him as the cherished actor who showed up time and time again to be crazy characters or uh, out of out of the ordinary characters, uh-huh. he was like wrapped up in that. So that was sad. Jude Law is on point in this movie. Um, he has some of my best sort of like. Uh, chest beating over the top uh, moments. Okay. Is it weird to call? I mean, I don't know if it's a spoiler to describe him as a, a dark dude. Yeah, he's know. he's he's a uh, he's very committed to what he thinks. Yeah, exactly. Is that Cree warrior, and he he drives that home perfectly. Um, Sam Jackson, of course, like you said, the the aging is phenomenal on him. It's a shame they didn't want to go the extra mile for Clark Gregg's car- uh, return. Yeah, I mean, they, totally said that, the boat they, they, they said they de-aged him, but I'm like, eh, he looks pretty much the same. No, 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 Clark Gregg is ageless, but the de-aging they did on him, they totally just, like, just paint his face in a little bit. Like, paint yeah. out the wrinkles. That was all they did. Mm-hmm. You could tell. It was, it was that Uncanny Valley. Um, but overall, it's a good movie that just suffers from the typical first, uh, first out type things. Um, but... The the hacksaw jump backs for Carol Danvers, I didn't dig that really at all. You would so you would have rather had like more of a straightforward. I think so, hmm. in a lot of ways. But Chewie's my or not Chewie Goose Goose is my favorite. <laughs> that cat came all out of nowhere. Um, but but all in all, I'm gonna give it three and a half out of five ticket stubs. Okay, yeah, uh, the potential for future films is greater than that this one will be, mm-hmm. and that's like with mostly all marvel films yes especially especially their origins like Mm -hmm. other than i know know we'll disagree about this like on iron man i think the first iron man is the superior of that trilogy where i know you lean iron man 3 in that case but like other than that i feel like every other film except for maybe guardians uh the sequel's been better or a sequel has been better than the first film yeah absolutely But I think specifically with Captain Marvel, the potential for future is greater because there's so much tied into that origin story. And in the future, they won't have to deal with like the confusion and mystery over who she is. Like now she knows who she is. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to worry about like doing this intercutting of her memories and um, all that kind of stuff. You can just kind of hit the ground running, which is what they did with this film to a certain Mm -hmm. degree, which I liked because we just get to start off with basically an action set piece of the mission to Torfa and I was like, this is really cool. But then uh, I think one of the, all the other problems I had with the movie is that it starts really cosmic. And then after like 30 minutes, it's like no more cosmic. And I was right. Like, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then we're on earth the rest of the time. Right. Which was, which was okay. Like 
I mean, getting it's like getting back to your roots type of a right. thing. Because I had the most fun on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, because at least that's where like the, I don't want to say midnight run, but the buddy cop comedy between her and Sam Jackson takes mm-hmm. over and really gets to go for it. It's in space where I'm just like, eh, I've seen this kind of thing with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy right. all the time. So jumping back and forth or combining the two or mm-hmm. colliding the two was way more refreshing. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked both elements, but I think there was maybe, they could have had a little bit better of a transition period between the going from cosmic to now here's her earth life. Like There's like a little bit of a buffer mm-hmm. where like she has to hunt down a scroll and it's just like, but like other than that, it's like, all right, now we're on earth. We're focused on earthly things for the most part. And yeah. that's like the main concern of the movie, which is fine. Um, I think it's probably best. We just jump into spoilers mm-hmm. from this point on uh, to touch on this movie. And even though this isn't really a spoiler thought, uh, one thing that did strike me about this movie is I think just again, how, small this space is the movie podcast uh space the film twitter space really is because uh i mean i when i saw opening night there are people there who when the blockbuster sign comes in they go ha, blockbuster and i'm just like wow you guys had no idea what this movie was because oh. <laughs> that was just like the first thing in like all the trailers mm-hmm. and like i just found that funny like as a kind of a nice reminder that even though we may be sometimes like inundated with all of this all these trailers and the marketing and uh, the interviews and all this stuff it's like most people aren't <laughs> and they can just go in and enjoy the film for what it is they don't yeah. have to worry they don't even know about trolls review bombing the film on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever that may be and they just go in they're like oh hey Blockbuster oh it's the 90s okay this is cool and it's like oh Coulson's here right. people also had no idea Coulson's this movie I was like oh very interesting full uh, of Easter eggs and surprises yeah. for and it was them just like, the entire way through it's, it was just a nice kind of reminder that I always get with like these big movies that it's like yeah I made uh, I, and this is one other thing I didn't necessarily it, it's not really like criticism of the movie it's more just like I felt like I knew where this movie was going mm-hmm. and the plot it was going to tell um, but I definitely know that the other people in my theater did not yeah wait holy crap how can we talk about this movie for 15 minutes and not at least applaud the opening marvel credits logo oh, well yeah for being this for being all stanley's cameos being a collection an homage of all of that and then saying thanks stan yeah. and after it it was fantastic did you get it did your theater applause applaud throughout the entire Great. theater and then like everyone was like applause and then everyone was like oh shut up movie starting yeah like instantaneous like snap off because like okay t- that's it. Enough time. But anyway, that was that was a really great way to kickstart the film. Yeah, it was. It was. It was really, really lovely, and uh, I think I think just such a smart way to start off. I'm going to imagine we're going to see that again too. Yeah, I don't know. That's what I was. I was kind of wondering that as well. Like, because they're not going to do this for every Marvel movie for the future. I don't think. Because uh, I, I mean, as much as I liked this new Stanley intro. I like the Marvel Cinematic Universe history logo entry that we get every single time. But mm-hmm. uh, if anything, I think we we may get it for these next three because I think he still is ca- he has a cameo in Endgame already done. I think he has one from Far From Home. Mm-hmm. But then after that, you know, he passed before he could do anything else. So uh, there'll be tributes I, to him throughout. Right, I could see them doing the same thing for Endgame and far from home whether it's at the beginning or end there'll mm-hmm. be a tribute in some case um and then they'll just kind of go back to the way they were before but yeah great intro um i still want to mention it i guess in the spoilers free section just in case people don't like because i didn't know that was coming and oh, so yeah to see that i was like oh 
well done marvel okay fair enough yeah i just want to make sure we didn't forget it yes yes no very very good <laughs> uh but in terms of spoilers mm-hmm. anything in particular you want to start on anything in particular i want to start on well the the third act turnaround where ben Mendelssohn gets to be the nice guy for once yeah. or be like in a completely sympathetic character the entire way through or at least just to turn him completely into a sympathetic character was so much fun. The scrolls are not evil empire in this one. Mm-mm. They're considered terrorist cells the entire way through. And then it's like, Oh no, we're just looking for a home and we adapt so we can try to fit in. And then people like misrecognize us as like infiltrating. Right. <laughs> and so they turn the lore of the scrolls and the lore of the secret wars basically right or the secret invasion yeah yeah one of those plot lines like on its head shake it for all its milk money and then spend it on this fresh new narrative yeah it's and i love it it's interesting because it does reframe not totally reframe because the kree have always kind of been the bad guys in the mcu Mm -hmm. whenever they've been on screen before so it's more like oh okay yeah this this does make way more sense based on what we've already known that like they are the warring like uh race they've been uh going after the nova uh, for a thousand years, they've been dealing with the scrolls for another thousand years. And so, yeah, it makes sense that like to learn that they were the ones who basically instigated this whole thing with the scrolls, blew up their home planet, and then have sent them all across the galaxy trying to find a new home. So, um, I think it was also just a really smart move on their part because at least for comic people, it's like, oh, okay. Scrolls, bad guys, Kree. Mm-hmm. Well, they're They've got more heroes than they do villains for the most part. So it's like, okay, so they're they're the good they're the good people. And it's like I like the flip on it because also Ben Mendelsohn for the last five years has just been typecast as blockbuster baddie. And right. now it's like, no, look, he could be like a good guy. And like it was so just nice to see Ben Mendelsohn kind of come out of his shell, even if he's now under a makeup shell, mm-hmm. and talk about how you know, he liked having like the piercing blue eyes of Ben Mendelsohn yeah. <laughs> and like, just like all of the, like the fun like camaraderie that comes out of the odd couple relationship between him, Carol Fury and Maria, like mm-hmm. that opening, like the first time they all meet at Maria's house and he's just like sipping on his like milkshake, his milkshake yep. and just like talking. And they're like, you better get out of here. or I'm going to put my foot somewhere you can't see. And he's like, am I supposed to guess where that is? And it's just <laughs> right. like, it's just so funny uh, that, I, I just really love that they were able to bring out some humor from Ben Mendelsohn because mm-hmm. we don't also see that a lot. And yeah. just, it was, a, I just found it a really refreshing twist. Their nefarity was almost comic, a comical from the get go, especially when they get introduced us to like the mind vortex thing that they're mm-hmm. putting on Carol that's like trying to Which find Which I really memories. liked that, by the way. The machine itself or just that sequence? I liked, I liked the effect of the multiple uh, conversations you had after with Annette Benning of. Oh yeah, blah, blah blah blah. Swoop, go back, focus here, do this. Where her, um, where she was able to, her conscious was able to pick up on mm-hmm. her mind being manipulated through right. that. Yeah, that was the one part where I dug it because it was just like it was straightforward. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were seeing those memories, but when they were hacked together, when they were just kind of all over the place. When they're laced in through there, like some of like the the, the, the um, flashbacks for her where they were almost in real time. Yeah, as she was scanning the. Um, the roadside bar and diner yeah. like that was cool like mm-hmm. like ghosts of her past and ghosts of former memories but the actual just like intercutting through yeah them, no, i, I agree really i, I agree there except for the very end mm-hmm. that, that that's, yes. that's a really powerful one yeah that was like the their big moment right the rise up from like getting knocked down through mm-hmm. all of those different ones um 
Ben Mendelsohn related, I think is what I'm trying to say. Yes. <laughs> but I don't remember what. Oh, but yeah, they, they use they use him for comic his, his comic. They use the scrolls for those comical purposes. And where they they can't figure the machine out, something goes broke because she's figured it out. But they're mm-hmm. like, "All right, go fix it." And then they go over like start poking at her yeah. head or whatever the case is, and they're like, "Okay, she's awake. Everybody get out of here." And then like run for it. And so all of that was great. And then he's got his great assistant who's <laughs> like uh when they're trying to figure out like, "Okay, where's the lab?" "Oh, it's not coordinates. It's it's uh, a specific, you know, location up in space. Yeah. You know, it's just basic uh, mathematics or whatever they say. Mm-hmm. And they all, just, uh, he just like looks at his lead scientist and he just like shrugs his shoulders. Like, it was just like, oh, <laughs> right. poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you didn't think to do this. He's like, oh, I guess not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it was just like, it was very simple and funny. And then he died and I was like, oh, that poor guy. Oh yeah. He gets gunned down. Yeah. He, uh, he's Vara- he, or Yamrog. Yamrog kills him. Yeah. Yep. But he, that guy and then Minerva. Uh, like the only two people to die in this movie. Minerva dies. Yeah, because she gets blown up by Maria in the uh, uh, their space combat. That's right. You're right. But they're it. That's it. Yeah, Joe Chan is the only like. Which I was really. Some I was random person so bites the dust. Yeah, there's no potential for her to yeah. come back. Because like Minerva does have like she can be more of a rival and more of a villain. In the comics, and I was like, oh, like that would have been like, mm-hmm. and like, and it's Gemma Chan. It's like, she's great. No body, no death, though, of course. That's true. Maybe she ejected last second. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is the movie about ejections um, and everything like that. So, uh, for the basically the entire lead up to this movie, we'd kind of been talking, or at least it's been shrouded that Jude Law's character was Yon Rog. Yes. A lot of the time. And initial law casting and things like that were like, no, this is Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, two words. And. <laughs> That was not the case. Instead, Marvell was Net Bending, Net Bennings, who was also the Supreme Intelligence. Yes. But well, yeah. So she was the Supreme Intelligence when Carol sees her. Yes, she's Karen's version of the Supreme Intelligence. Karen's Carol's Carol. version <laughs> of the Supreme Intelligence. But she's also Marvell, who we get to see in all those memory flashbacks and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I guess that was like the last thing I expected. If it, yeah, I mean, I kind of, it was either like, all right, since it wasn't Jude Law, and I was like, I feel like they're, they're definitely, because it's Marvel, Marvel's, t- in, normally in some ways they try to bring in as many comic faithful elements as they can. It's like, it's kind of hard to have, I mean, Carol's origin in the comics has always been with a Marvel in some instance, so it's like, if it's not going to be Jude Law, the only other option I thought was Annette Benny. And so, I mean, I was like, all right, I feel like that's where it'll go. I thought for a, if you would have asked me, you know, a week ago before we saw the movie, uh, I would have said, oh, okay, I think uh, Annette Benny is going to be Marvel, but that she's also going to be Carol's mother. Mm. And that's what, and that's why you know, she was seeing her in the in the in her in her dreams and everything because, and that's why she's the one that the Supreme Intelligence um, shows because she has that deep connection because they're mother and daughter. And that's how Marvel Comics recently redid Carol's origin uh-huh. to have it be that way where her mother was a Kree. And that's how she became Captain Marvel. And that's how she has the half Kree DNA already. So I, I did think that's where they were going to go. I did not know that they were going to go with the Tesseract as the source of her powers. Yeah. Which was which was a big surprise, honestly. That was one of the few things I did not see coming. She gets when she blows the engine, the light speed speed drive that she's created for the scroll so they can escape to a different universe or galaxy mm-hmm. or reality. Just go find another planet. Yeah. Right. To hang out at at a quick pace. Um she gets 
she absorbs the Tesseract energy that she um, Marvel had used to build the drive. Yes. And that's where the photon blasts and all other powers come from. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I did not expect that at all. Yeah, but so- it makes sense within the larger continuity of the MCU mm-hmm. rather than just like, oh, because you're half Kree, we give you special powers. Right. I thought... I mean, we, it was kind of evident from the trailers that, like, that blast, whatever it was, yes. gave her her powers. And it was more like, all right, what is that blast? The prevailing theory online was that it was the quantum realm and that it was quantum realm related. And that way, she'd be able to access the quantum realm. And that's how they would bring her into Avengers Endgame. And that's mm-hmm. how they would bring her through all these other things. And it was like, okay. And, like, and then <laughs> Samuel Jackson made up a whole lie that she had time travel powers. And uh, he was spouting that out to the press. And he was like, no, I made that up. Just to screw with everybody. It's like, oh, thanks, Sam. And it's like, okay, well, if she's going to have quantum realm powers, that's what she's going to use time vortexes. She'll travel through time and she'll meet Ant-Man and that's what we'll get to Endgame. And instead, like, nope, it's just the Tesseract. So now she has the powers of an Infinity Stone in Mm -hmm. her, basically. The same as Vision and Scarlet Witch had at one point. So uh, that is very interesting as well as we build up to Endgame because it's like, well, if if her power comes from Infinity Stone, what what else can she do with them? Like, can she hold them like you know peter quill could because he was half celestial um you know can she like actually have does she have the ability to wear the full gauntlet and actually not like cripple underneath the weight of that power i don't know but i think it opens up a whole different aspect of possibilities when you're talking about captain marvel's future and all this stuff which we will get into in the big question later this week because we want to try to stay as focused as we can on the movie itself when we speculate about her future um but yeah i was i was really surprised and pleasantly surprised that they went the Tesseract route instead of Quantum Realm. Mm. Because then it's also it's like, well, if you go Quantum Realm, it's similar to Ant-Man in some ways. And it's like, this is just her own thing. Right. Yeah. And since the, infin- the that Infinity Stone or the Tesseract has basically been obliterated mm-hmm. and the Infinity Stone will probably be obliterated too at some point, I imagine. I don't know. Like, it's it's a unique source of power now. Right. But one does have to wonder because this movie does also show why Captain Marvel has been touted as the most powerful MCU hero we have. Because when she does go full binary and understands the full strength of her powers, uh, she's basically unbeatable in this movie. Yes. And it's like, well, if you, as we before, which would like, how do you weaken her in some ways or make her vulnerable or whatever the case may be? Uh, I think that's an interesting question for the future as well. Um, I think as we try to wrap this up in some way, mm-hmm. uh, just some other things I want to touch on. Uh, the suit color changing from green to her red, blue, and yellow. I was a little underwhelmed by that just because it was just like a simple change of, I was like, why do you have that tech? Like, oh, yeah, I'm American. So, <laughs> yeah. No, I thought it was cool, the whole data pad stuff. I mean, I understand why they did it, but and like, and it gives them unlimited opportunities to change her costume in the future and they changed her costume in the end credit scene as well so uh it's just like a marketing ploy basically forever uh they did it's it's slightly different it's same colors but it's there's more uh i thought it was, it was there's, just... there's there's more white on the shoulders and stuff and uh okay it's a little it was updated just, i thought it was the grim attitude of uh the russo brothers there no no gotcha. it's, it's a different it's a different look which which makes sense in 20 years um which also like that's one answer we got from the movie at the end uh, when she defeats Jan Rog and defeats Ronan's invasion of Earth, she sends both of them back to Hala. Interesting decision mm-hmm. uh, because we don't know 
what happens after that other than we know Ronan defects at some point mm-hmm. and the Kree Empire try to become a peaceful race. So what happens between Captain Marvel and oh, Guardians? She, she kicks their butts, obviously. And so it's like, are we going to see that at some point? We can, again, talk about that in the future. But we do know that she left, why she left Earth, where she's been for the last 25 years, whatever. It's because she went to go help the scrolls find a new home planet, um, which I think is a better explanation than her being stuck in the quantum realm or just whatever. Like, she's out there, and now there's 25 years of potential story beats for Marvel Studios to go play with yep. in the future. So um, I was a little confused by the dampener that she had on her neck. I think that's what it is, at least, the that piece of technology she had implanted because... Yes. I was trying to pay attention to it on my second viewing, like if it lights up when she's using her powers and that's how like it's in effect to try to limit her or if it lights up when she's not using them to keep them from coming on. It just, and I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't get an understanding of it. You still don't? I don't. It, it, they show it to you early in the, in the movie because like, oh, she has a thing on her neck uh-huh. and you really don't know why it's there. But then when um, Rog is fighting her for the first time and he dampens her powers, you you get a cut to it and you watch it flash as she can't um, use her photon blasts. Mm-hmm. And then that's the, those are the only two indications you get that she's, you know, w- being um, tamped down by that device on her neck. Right. And so finally when she pops it off and goes binary mm-hmm. with the Supreme Intelligence, that destruction of the piece is like, okay, now your powers are unlimited. Right. Yeah. I understand. I guess, I understand that aspect of it. I don't understand when it is working because I feel like it's lighting up when she's both using her powers and then when she's also not using her powers. So it may have just been a slight inconsistency or something, or maybe I just don't remember it correctly. They don't. I don't think they ever show it to you lit up ever. No, it's it's lit up all the time. Not all the time, but like there's several instances where like, well, right, mean, right, right, right when she wakes up, it's it's on. Okay, yeah. I mean, the idea is they can control her with it, right? Which is like a weird question because like they want to use her to end the war, but they're limiting right. her powers. Yeah, it's like you, uh, you know how you can put like a volume limit. Like you can, your volume can only go up so high on your MacBook, but uh-huh. you can like preemptively set it so it never goes to that max volume. So they have like set it like seventy percent, and then when they're, you know, wanting her to like not do what she's doing, they'll like yank it down to zero percent. <laughs> They never gave her her full power because they knew they didn't think they could trust her yet. I feel like you could trust somebody who doesn't know anything else but to trust you. <laughs> yeah. But that's just me. Um, I do want to know also what happened to the Star Force. A, a lot of them, Bronchar, Atlas, and Korath are all just left up in mm-hmm. uh, Lawson's lab. And I'm just like, what happened to them? Right. <laughs> we have no idea. Maybe that's a question for the future. Uh, hopefully they'll address that because we know Korth at least survives because <laughs> he's back in Guardians and uh, looks a lot different. So I want to know what happens there. Um, but I think the kind of the two biggest kind of debates or questions about the movie mm. come near the end. Uh, were you satisfied with the explanation for Nick Fury's eye loss? It's fine. It's something that it's something that never needed explained. But if they want to be goofy about it or funny about it, have a goose clawed out, that's fine. I did not like it. Yeah, yeah. I just think I just think it undermines that moment in Civil War where it's like, the last time I trusted somebody, I lost nine. It's like, ooh, what does that mean? It's like, oh, it's a cat. He's in Civil War. Or sorry, Winter Soldier. Ah, there you go. And I'm just like, man, like, 
don't know. If you if you if you're just gonna do it that way, just don't explain it and just let it happen off screen and let people's own imaginations fill in the blank. Like Colson was like, so is it really true that uh you lost drive because a Cree punched it or whatever? And it's mm-hmm. like I will not confirm or deny. Or, yeah, the, yeah, threatened you to um, reveal like the location or the secret nuclear launch code. Or yeah, it's like, like yeah. just let that live on, and then let like future movies also be like. So I heard that he lost his eye because of this, and just let it be just like some random myth out there. No. I'd be fine with that. And then also the name of the Avengers Initiative comes hmm. from Carol Danvers, which is something of a retcon that I did like because like it makes sense that Nick Fury would model this whole initiative after the first superhero he meets who saved the planet all by herself who he now has a pager to call whenever he needs to or at, or at an emergency's notice i guess um and i just thought that was a, a a nice way to explain something that didn't need explaining but like i understand why they went this route and it gives care obviously more importance as we move forward yeah is that an actual um mcu thing or is that a comic thing or is I that believe, i believe that's an mcu thing oh cool altogether. i dig it because I, it, it is funny, though, because then her, her pilot name is Captain Carol Avenger Danvers. And to me, it makes more sense for her superhero name to be Captain Avenger then than it is for to be Captain Marvel, uh, which they never call her Captain Marvel. And we just have that one moment of, you know, Sam Jackson saying Marvel instead of Marvel. And it's just like, right. All right like, it's funny. Yeah. I think that's them setting the way for her to be called Captain Marvel, but it's just mm-hmm. like, it's just like one of those weird things. Like why would, why is she called this? Yeah. It it'll, be, it'll be one of those things where like Fury will pop back up and then she'll be like, oh, they call me Captain Marvel now yeah. or, something, or something like that. And they will be like, ah, you did it for me. Or, or that's what, cause he has a file on her in shield. Uh, so and that's just, the nickname sh- that he gives her. I'm assuming that's how it'll go. If they have to explain it, which they probably won't cause they rarely explain the names of superheroes. That's a good point. Um, but I mean the end credits or the the mid credit scene scene from Avengers Endgame. I'm assuming it has not been confirmed that it's directly from the movie, but we do know that it was shot by the Russo brothers during Endgame's principal uh, photography. Hmm. Interesting scene. Carol's back on Earth. The Avengers have the pager. They're watching the numbers rise to the millions across the world. Billions. Uh, billions. I mean, Japan alone had like 62 million losses and that's holy crap uh these are large numbers obviously and uh i I just liked that aspect because snapping disproportionately affect minorities i don't i don't know (laughs) um but i do but i did like the fact that you know if this is from the movie then it totally (laughs) reshapes the marketing that we've seen so far for a game because caps has his beard uh widow says her white hair and it's like and if carol's there that early and she's not in any of the scenes we've seen so far. It's like, mm-hmm. A, what is she doing? Or B, did she just be, was she edited out of all those scenes? And just like, I, I just find it so interesting uh, what the next trailer will be then for Endgame. I don't know. 62 is about half the population of Japan. So Okay. They did the research. <laughs> they did do their research. That's very nice. I appreciate yeah. things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my question too. My gut tells me that that scene is a cut. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like maybe the movie. I don't have no idea what to expect from Endgame because we have no idea about marketing. Right. But yeah, the, the still bearded Captain America, still long haired Captain mm-hmm. America, says that this is like early stages. It feels like a, a day or two. Like they had time to go find the pager, mm-hmm. and then they've had time to start counting losses across the world. But like, that's it. Right. And I don't know. My gut after I saw that was, it starts with Danvers on Earth. But then again, I don't think so. But I think they have to – I think they'll start kind of shortly after the snap where, like, 
Maybe we see them go find the pager or like whatever. But I think you have to include this scene in Endgame just in case. Then there's going to be those people who either A, didn't see Captain Marvel because whether they're boycotting or just missed on for whatever reason, mm-hmm. or they're coming into the MCU brand new with Endgame, which is probably a bad decision on their I mean, part. Yeah. Um, but I think you have to include it just in case people missed it. And then they're like, wait, who's this girl? How is she here? Why is she here? Like, you have to ex- do that sort of explanation. Yeah, and it sounds like from random tweets across the web that that's the case with the movie, so. Random tweets across the web. I guess there's a Disney shareholder thing where people were tweeting. Footage. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, well, she's she's in it, but also so is Nebula, and, but there's no mention of Tony, and it's like, where are they? Exactly. Where's Ant-Man? I don't know what's happening. Very interesting stuff. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into all of this later, because I'm assuming now that Captain Marvel's out, we'll get a second probably final Endgame trailer here in the next week or two and probably will feature a lot of Captain Marvel. It's probably why they've been holding off. And uh, How early do tickets go on sale? Uh, I think if they follow Infinity Wars plan, which it looks like they pretty much are, uh, it'll be in like two weeks or maybe next week. Okay, yeah. It, it'll be in a week or two or a week or two. And that's where in last year or with Infinity War, the second and final trailer is when they also put tickets on sale that same day. So I'm assuming they'll do the exact same thing with Endgame, have an EW spread come out a couple of days before, and then boom. Or maybe they'll do it the other way. Trailer, tickets, and then spreads next week. So Sounds right to me. Either way, Cath Marvel, really good time. Uh, and yeah, we're both really looking forward to the future, and we'll talk about that in the big question on Wednesday. But that is all we have for our view of Cath Marvel. I get four tickets subs out of five. Josh gives it three and a half tickets to out of five. We'll be right back in a bit with the news. back with the news and as always start with our three main topics this week starting with a suicide squad 2 update or as it is officially called the suicide squad and we got a report from the hollywood reporter that idris elba is officially in talks to replace will smith as a dead shot in james's gun sequel we talked about this last week that will smith is probably out of the film due to scheduling conflicts and it looks like that is actually legitimately the case because it's not just a fact of well I don't want to use Deadshot if I'm James Gunn. I want to mm-hmm. use, you know, Deathstroke. And it's like, well, no, it looks like Deadshot is, in fact, very important to the script, so much so that, that they had to go and recast Will Smith and it still was the man. Good choice? Yeah. If you're not going to have Will Smith, if you, you're you going to use Idris Elba, and Idris Elba is better than Will Smith, so that's fine. Ooh. Well, yeah. I mean, come on. Who's making more quality movies? It's Idris Elba. I mean, what kind of original things are Idris Elba doing? I mean, we mean original. I mean quality. I, I mean, just like what, what's the what's the best movie Idris Elba's been in? Ooh, that's a good question. Like Beasts of No Nation, The or, Wire. Or, that's a the TV Wire's show. The Wire is not. <laughs> Shoot. Well, you know, I'll figure that out. But he's great in Molly. Idris Elba's just great in everything he's in, and now we finally get to have him in a role where he can be a zany character. Um, we're gonna get that from him with the movie that he's in with Jason Statham and The Rock called Hobbs and Shaw, 
which I finally remembered after that long walk. And then we're going to get him. He's being like some kind of cyborg human being there. And now we're going to get him in this where he can be as wacky and zany as possible under James Gunn. Like it's a match that I've been waiting for, for him that I didn't know I was waiting for at the same time. Cause he's like, he's like a serious stock bro mm-hmm. all the time. And now we get to see him kind of be wild and unca- unloose if that's the case. And I hope that's the case. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if how zany or wacky he's gonna be because Deadshot's at least he's like he wasn't that in the first movie and he's not really like that in the comics. Um, and I don't as, as talented as Idris Elba is, like I feel like he's more of like the straight leader than he is like a watch me crack joke sort of guy. <laughs> well, he could be serious when you know the script calls for it. Sure, I mean he was great as Charles Minor in The Office. That's right. And then when he needs to like you know. Um, button up and be like the all right team let's be serious and then they go for it mm-hmm. then he can do that too but he'll be able to be like a loose cannon i think yeah a little more so in this james Gunn's movie and script so that's what i'm looking forward to the most like mark my words i do not think he's gonna be the oh i have a sad backstory because my daughter misses me and i'm in jail Batman. Yeah, that, that's that's still Mwah. part of the character. <laughs> I mean, it is part of the character that they've started with, but I don't know. I feel like this is going to be like a almost like a half full soft reboot of everything. Yeah, and yeah. I mean that that is definitely looking the case, especially if you're recasting arguably the lead of the suicide or of Suicide Squad number one. Uh, if you're just getting rid of Will Smith, it seems like a pretty just wipe your hands clean of everything that came before Wonder Woman basically in the DC EU. Mm-hmm. And uh, that seems to be somewhat of their motto. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think, I think it was super talented. You're, I think you're probably sacrificing something in terms of star power, the box office, because as, as many fans, it just Elba does have, he's still not the movie star that Will Smith is. And so we're banking more on, um, you know, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn to really drive people in, but also then just the name notoriety of Suicide Squad at this point. So, uh, and James Gunn. That's true. And James Gunn. I'm, they will definitely, I wanted to, I, mean, I can't wait to see like the first trailer for this movie just to see if they're like from the director, uh, or from the former director of Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> One like, and two. Yeah. Like, like, what, like, what are they going to do? They will. So if they play their cards right, they will be like up in arms about his firing, like in their own marketing from that thing. Yeah, probably. Yeah. They need to, or else they're wasting their time because as soon as you release the trailer with that headline, immediately you get every cable news channel talking about <laughs> it in all sorts of ways. Like the no, no bad press is no press is bad press or whatever yes. the case is. And that'll if the WB smart and they are, I think they'll definitely do that. They'll be epic. <laughs> and then we also got a uh, word this week from Collider that not only is it just Elba taking over the role as Deadshot. But we now know who he will probably be leading in terms of who else is going to join him in the Suicide Squad. Uh, those people being King Shark, Polka Dot Man, a gender-swapped version of Ratcatcher, so she'll be female, and then a character named Peacemaker, who James Gunn is already looking at Dave Batista to play the role. So uh, uh, the first thing that strikes me about this, obviously, is who are half the, most of these characters? Like, oh, I, I know who King Shark is, but like Polka Dot Man, a guy who can like turn polka dots on his suit into weapons. Okay. Interesting character. Uh, rat Catcher, a person who catches rats and like mm-hmm. uses them to like do their bidding. Okay. And then Peacemaker, a guy who loves peace so much he's willing to kill for it. It's like, yes. Okay. Uh, I don't know like anything about these characters, but. 
that's why it doesn't surprise me. And kind of thinking back to when we did our who should be in James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, uh, I was like, all right, I want like Killer Frost and Poison Ivy and like all these like somewhat known names. Mm-hmm. But like now thinking back, I was like, I'm an idiot. Like, of course, James Gunn's going to go with the most obscure characters possible because A, nobody has any you know, preconceived expectations of, okay, they're doing Polka Dot Man. If they don't do Polka Dot Man right, right. he's my favorite character. We I'm going to lose it. Like, that's not going to be a thing. Yeah, if we can't get a faithful adaptation of Polka Dot Man, what are we doing? Exactly. So now that we can just move on mm-hmm. and James Gunn can just do with Polka Dot Man what he did with Star-Lord and Rocket and yeah. Drax and, like, those characters are still probably a little bit more known in the Marvel comic universe than I would say most of these characters are in the DC comic universe. But... For the general population, they are one and the same. Mm-hmm. They have no idea who any of these characters are, and now James Gunn's be able to do the James Gunn thing, give them whatever take he wants, and make them his own. And so I think this is a really smart move for James Gunn. It's a smart move for DC. It's a smart move for the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's more just like, all right, if this is what we're getting, and again, this could change with script rewrites or whatever, um, but if this is the cast we get, then it's like, all right, I cannot wait to see how James Gunn is going to bring this bizarre combination of characters to life yeah in his movie absolutely especially shark man i mean there's so there are, there's an infinity of combinations and ways they could go about making that character and doing things with that like the jokes are going to be endless there um the big dumb bro or whatever he'll end up being mm-hmm. like i don't know but like just the the idea of a shark a shark grafted onto like some kind of like Hulk body is going to be hilarious the entire way through. But if, um, if indeed Dave Batista gets that peacemaker role, mm-hmm. it'll easily be his second most iconic or if not his most iconic to see him play someone who loves peace so much that yeah. he'll go out he'll go kill for it. <laughs> uh, he's, he's so, what do you call it when you don't want to fight? He's so anti anti war. <laughs> anti war, yeah. Like he's so pacifistic yes. that he's willing to go out and he's willing to not be pacifistic or be a pacifist to prove to that bring he peace is, that he can be <laughs> right, or to bring peace so he can be exactly. <laughs> it's just so twisted and funny and will be hilarious the entire way through. Yeah, I think. But I'm also like happy for like I was. I'm not surprised that Dave Bautista is being already looked at for a role. Um, but I, I don't know. I just, I just like the fact that James Gunn, I think most people would now agree in most ways that he was kind of wrong, that James Gunn's wrongfully fired or at least quick, too quickly fired. From he, Guardians was fired of the Galaxy. In, he was fired in bad, bad faith response to the criticism. Right. And, but through all that, Dave has been very vocal in his support. So it's no surprise that James is basically rewarding him with like, let's, I, I appreciate you coming to my, like my aid and like, <laughs> Like, my defense to all this. And so, yes, since you want to be in this movie anyways, and I love working with you, I, you know, I helped give you this career. I give give you this big, you know, acting start that you were looking for. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, come be part of my movie. We both are working together. Let's do it again with DC. And uh, if that's the case, so far, two former (laughs) uh, Marvel stars Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the DC, in his new DC movie. Oh, that's right. So they crushed out Idris Elba's character. Because Heimdall is a goner. So uh, maybe maybe some other people are going to join. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Um, but we also got a report this week from that hashtag show uh, that Black Widow 
is eyeing some potential cast members, and they are, I would say, pretty exciting. Uh, starting with Emma Watson is a frontrunner to play a new female lead role who's described as a female Bond character, basically. Um, she is in contention with Alice Englert, Dar Zuzowski, and Florence Pugh for this female Bond role, which uh, I think, for me at least, it makes it pretty clear cut that like Watson's the choice. Like, she's the she's got all the star power. She's mm-hmm. like has this wide ranging resume from the Harry Potter movies to Beauty and the Beast, and but she hasn't done like a true action movie role, which kind of surprises me. Yeah, but I think like she has all the capabilities to come in and like fill that void. So if that's about to go. I'll be very happy with them. Right. In every Marvel film, always grabs someone insanely talented and then wastes them in their movie. <laughs> so Emma Watson is perfect for that spot. Yeah, and I think it'll go forward well. Yeah, and it's like, but the thing, like, if they do get Emma Watson, it's like, well, she is very talented. And then it's like, if this is a prequel movie, it's like, are you just gonna like throw her, like, like you mentioned, like throw her aside, and that's the end? Like, it mm-hmm. seems like kind of a waste. Um, instead, like, it seems to be like, to me, it's like, oh, she's in here. And now she can be part of the MCU moving forward or whatever. I don't know. Um, but the hashtag show also reported that Andre Holland is being looked at for the main villain role. Yes. Who we don't know anything about, but yes, Andre Holland is amazing. Mm-hmm. He was great in high flying bird. Uh, and if that happens again, great news, but this is still early on in the process. Yeah. But the idea that his name is up, um, is already in contention. Like, I mean, you've, we've seen him in moonlight, um, a little bit and wrinkle in time as the principal. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Which yeah. I totally forgot until the design would be. And I was like, "Oh yeah." And th- so yes, um, like he's on his way up. He's already got some clout with Disney. So and then like his role in High Flying Bird is like a darker turn. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's just cynical rather than or conniving, I guess. Right. But like I, I, but spirited I, and hopeful at the same time. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, but I just hope that he gets this because he totally deserves like big screen recognition. Right. But like his role in High Flying Bird makes it like, oh, is he like gonna be like some like like super rich and suave businessman who has like an evil agenda. Obviously it's like, that just like seems like a perfect fit. Yeah. But then I was like, but I also want to see Andre Holland take on like an action look. That'd be interesting to see him mm-hmm. try to do that. Um, in that same report from that hashtag show, they also mentioned that there's this um, American, you know, couple who is affiliated with the villain role and that Marvel is targeting no offers have been made. They've maybe even officially talked to these people, but Rachel Wise for the female and then Alec Baldwin for the male role, what? which would be such a crazy pairing. And again, more of that insane star power, which is like, all right, Baldwin the, in a Marvel this, movie. This, like if that happened, like the cast is, I think two stacked. So I don't think all four of these, like if we have Scar, if you have ScarJo at the top, like your next three cast members probably aren't going to be Emma Watson, Andre Holland, Rachel Wise and Alec Baldwin. I mean, Baldwin at this point is sort of like a B, no, he's not B level. He's like ultra talented and like great. But like he's like the old guy that you get. You're like, oh, he's in this movie. Great. I love him. He is so good. Uh-huh. He's Him and Jeff Goldblum are kind of approaching that status of like, we need characters from you guys. <laughs> can, can you give it to us? Yes. Great. And then you go out and get like, you spend the big money on whomever. Mm-hmm. Um, but right, yeah. That would be, I would almost, I don't know if it would take me out of the movie or not, because he almost does that with Mission Impossible. We're like, yeah. what, what is this? What is the Trump impersonator guy doing here? <laughs> like, it'll be that kind of like, okay. But if he's playing Alec Baldwin, <laughs> do you want him to play himself? That would be 
terrific. That'd be interesting. <laughs> I would be so there for that. But outside of that, I mean, I don't know. But I mean, at the same time, I'll I'll go forward with anything. Right. It's like it, it makes sense. Like again, I don't think all of these castings will happen because it just seems like too good of a cast. Um, but here's the thing, though. I think Andre Holland is just underrated. That's true. And so like he's gonna get he's gonna get in there and get a decent payday. So it's not gonna be like. He's like he's a reach for anybody. Right, but he's like the, you'll, you'll be paying top dollar for Emma Watson. Yep, ScarJo is supposed to be getting like twenty million dollars something, uh, which well deserved. Uh, who else is in here? Rachel Wise, fresh mm-hmm. off an Oscar nomination. I don't yep. think she's going to come cheap. I mean, she didn't win, so that may <laughs> reduce it a little bit. Uh, and then Alec Baldwin still like he's still in the conversation for a lot of these movies. Like he's still in, he's in the last two Mission Impossible movies. He may be back for seven and eight in like flashback sequences as we talked about before and like but he's still on SNL and like he's still doing like all these things. So he's still like out there in a name. Mm-hmm. So it's it's an interesting mixture of people so far and then the hashtag show also added <laughs> that there is a young female role that's being uh, that, that was recently added to the movie as part of the rewrites that are happening right now and that Disney is reportedly looking at Storm Reid Isabella Monaire, Camila Mendez, and Hannah Quinlevon, uh, to for one of them to take on this role. If I had to pick, I would want Isabella Monaire because I just think she's like super talented. Whether it's from Sicario or even she was probably the best part of that Transformers Five movie that otherwise was pretty much terrible. And uh, then she's also great instant family, so she's got like the actions, c- comedy chops that I feel like she'd be really great for whatever role this is. We don't have any information on what it is, but uh, mm. that's who I would choose. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, Isabel Moner's gonna be a star, though. Exactly, like, and it's like on the way up. So do you like drop her in her? Yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, I mean, I don't know how studios think or whatever the case is, but you're like, you could name twenty roles, you could probably cast Isabel Moner, and they're like, are their own franchises, right? Which is like kind of the speculation of like, well, if you're adding this character like this late in the game but then you also are looking at people like Isabel Monaire or Storm Reed from A Ring of Time or Camila Mendez from Riverdale it's like those are pretty established people that like have like their own fan bases so it's like you're not going after like unknowns like you want somebody with some sort of star power in some degree so it's like is this set up for a future for whoever this character is and like mm. if that's the case I would love to have Isabel Monaire in the MCU for like the next 10 years Age differences there, though, is like the only thing. Like mm-hmm. Isabel Monaire is definitely younger than Camila Mendez, mm-hmm. but then so. she's still older, I think, than Storm Reed. Right. So that yeah. is a crazy age range. It's all over the place. All in there. That'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and then some more casting for, or, or not even casting, character inclusions for another super movie that came from the Hashtag Show this week was for Black Adam because they shared a report that. Uh, apparently, in the latest version of the script, Black Adam will uh, be squaring off with Hawkman, and that Hawkman's fellow JSA members, Stargirl and Atom Smasher, mm. will also appear in the movie. So, this is uh, very interesting because, for a lot of reasons, Stargirl's getting her own series on DC Universe uh, that's now filming, I believe. So, she's kind of picking up steam already. Um, but then also Hawkman and Black Adam have a history in the comics. They've been JSA partners in the past mm. when Black Adam very uh, briefly turned to good. But they also both have Egyptian ties through their um, their upbringings and their uh, yeah. origins and stuff. So it's like, is this like a, a time period piece where we're going back like thousands of years to like Ooh. ancient Egypt? That would be very cool. Um, 
But then also Adam Smasher again has ties with Black Adam where they were both on the JSA at the same time and they formed basically a buddy relationship. And then they both left the same time to go help each other, like just defeat anybody who's like they have vendettas against. (laughs) Hmm. Okay. If it's a period piece, I am out. Okay. All the way. Like you'd have to do some serious selling for me to like go see gods of Egypt, with the rock rather than I mean, have to be better than gods of Egypt. I haven't seen the movie, but well, I just looked bad from the trailers and then Russell Crowe was in it. Was he in it? Uh, no, 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 it wasn't Russell Crowe. It's, um, it was someone else that were like the Olympus is falling guy and Geostorm. Oh yeah, Gerard Butler. Yes, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. And yeah. I also think Kit, was Kit Harrington in that movie as well. Oh, I hope not. Poor Kit Harrington. It's on the Late Show doing uh, press for Game of Thrones. It's like yeah, that new trailer. You, you deserve so much better than <laughs> Gods of Egypt, if that's true. But anyway, oh, this sounds like it. Is there any possible way this is a su- like another Suicide Squad, but for intergalactic? ultra powerful people because Adam Smasher and Hawkman and Stargirl all look like they could like kick some serious butt mm-hmm. and then they'd be like Black Adam would you like to be our loose cannon team member begrudgingly <laughs> okay fine and then they'll go chase after someone else who has these darker ambitions because then that way it you still the rock still gets to be the hero mm-hmm. in his own movie but he gets to be the star of it as well he doesn't have to be lumped in with a group he's the he's the black sheep of this ragtag team and so that keeps him at the forefront but then also the good guy or the Mm anti-hero while they go fight a darker force gathering somewhere else i uh yeah i I guess guess that's possible him being the villain of any black adam movie well yeah i don't think he will be i think they're gonna try to pitch him as the an anti-hero basically where um, it could be difficult, but I could see a scenario where um, they try to do a spin on like the Jeff Johns New Fifty Two Shazam story, where Doctor Savannah uh, opens up Black Adam's tomb and lets him loose into the world, and then it's up to like Shazam and like the Captain Marvel family to um, stop Black Adam in that instance. I could see a scenario potentially where. Black Adam is still in his tomb and then like Hawkman and the JSA stumble across it and let him loose. Mm-hmm. And then it's like up to them to like try to corral him. And then it ends with like him being on the team or something. I don't know. So it's like a comedy then where he's just like, what is this modern world? It, I mean, it, it could, it could play that around. way. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of different ways to do it, but I don't know. I, I kind of like the idea of the period piece because it sets this movie apart from everything else that's happened in the DC universe. Like we don't have to worry about, Ooh, this mean Shazam's going to pop up. Uh, like as cool as that would be, like if that's going to happen, like let it happen organically and not like right off the bat. And instead we can go all the way back to thousands of years ago, like show like Hawkman and black Adam rise through like the ranks of Egypt or something and like square off, have their duel. Then they can like, meet again in the present day in like a, in a second movie or something because Hawkman once he dies he just regenerates all the time to that, that's that's his thing and Black mm-hmm. Adam would just be locked away for a thousand years and I just like the idea of them being out on their own allowing to have a different tone a different look a different style and just let like the rock be the rock <laughs> yeah that sounds ri- this sounds really risky it could be for sure for a lot of reasons 
But like, I mean, do we have a director for this no. yet? That'll tell us everything. But if it's anyone who is remotely not, not even remote, if some someone who even has like an inkling of comedy or fun in their background, rather than some grim director, mm-hmm. then it's totally not a period piece. But that that would be insane. I mean, I think whoever they get, there'll be some sort of comedy in the movie because I think it's that's the Rock's mo at this point. Yeah. So, but I still think you can do like an epic sort of a superhero film, which we haven't really had before and let the tone still like be updated and comedic and stuff. Yeah. That's interesting. It'll be like, if all of these castings play out like star girl, I don't know how you put someone who's very iconically American. That's true. In a really period piece. Mm -hmm. Unless there's like a prologue at the beginning. We're like, we're best friends and it's Egypt. And then they disappear because the Egypt is worshiping Hawkman as a God or something like that. But it's like smash cut, modern day, beep, 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 er, New York City. Black what if? Breaks out of the sewer. What if they do the Man of Steel route where they open mm. thousands of years ago, for like the first 20, 30 minutes, give Black Adam's origin and all this stuff, and then something happens. Yes. And he's locked away for 2,000 years. And That'll then, work. boom, here we are, present day. The JSA is doing their thing, and it's like, oh, wait. Who's Black Adam? Oh, he's out. Uh-oh. Oh, he's my old buddy from high school <laughs> yeah. or, you know, Egyptian school. And then they go on an intergalactic rom-com adventure. Yeah, something like that. Or not rom-com, but, but yeah. intergalactic superhero movie. Yeah, there we go. I feel that. It's just interesting to try to pick out a rock, a movie for the rock where he's going to be something so different. Right. Which is, again, it's why I'm super interested in this movie to begin with, why I want to see Shazam even more to see how maybe they can tease Black Adam if they do or if they don't. Um, and then see eventually hopefully fingers crossed the rocks you know portrayal of black adam to see then eventually them cross over and meet because i think that'd be a lot of fun so yeah absolutely uh and speaking of shazam we got our second trailer for it It is part of our ticket or skip it lineup this week including the midsummer trailer number one the second trailer for brightburn the first trailer for netflix's rom-com someone great and the first trailer for late night the comedy from Mindy Kaling. So those movies are up against the Shazam second trailer. Josh, which one is getting your ticket? I think I have a decent guess. Yes, you you can guess as soon as like they announced that they'd be dropping some kind of trailer. That there's somewhere. a new Ari Aster movie yeah, out. Yeah, and then like you just say, when's that going to drop? And then you can tell me exactly what mine's going to be. Because it's 1,000% Midsummer. The Finnish spelling, of or the Swedish spelling of Midsummer. Yeah. For those puzzled by it or whatever it is basically a 180 from his last movie in a lot of ways at least in tone style setting uh colors Mm -hmm. um instead of it's like really it's dreamy and all this murder and blood and gore is being done with like these painted smiles on people's faces as they stalk around in white gowns and pull innards from people yeah like it is it is so creepy and weird, and he, I am so ready for it. I mean, um, Will Poulter looks. I mean, you get one look at him. I don't know what to expect about of anything like this, but oh my gosh, yeah, I'm so here for it. It's set out in the middle of some like happy time pasture, mm-hmm. and the cognitive dissonance from all of that is going to be so eerie. 
as you watch people just like walk around, be like, everything's okay. Stab, stab, stab. Right. All the way through. (laughs) And so I am so, so ready for this. Uh, September, early August. Can't come here fast enough. Early August. Yes. Early August. Yes. Yep. Uh, Yeah. So I'll give my ticket to Shazam uh, Mm. because I've been on board for this movie for a long time, but also the second trailer, really good. It's not as good as the trailer they were going to release earlier, um, but it's still a really, really fun trailer. A uh, lot of great comedy. I think Zachary Levi just continues to look perfect for this role as playing the teenage ver- teenage person who's also a complete grown-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the action still looks stellar. Uh, Savannah, you get to see a lot more of him in this trailer, which I was happy to see as well because I think Mark Strong, super good. Best part yep. of Kingsman, the Golden Circle. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy to see him get into the this villainous turn here uh, second time in the comic book movie genre after Green Lantern. So, uh, yeah, I think this is just – it just continues to look like a really good time. And then it, it, it doesn't hurt either that, you know, a couple of days after this, a small amount of people were allowed to see the movie, talk about it. The reviews have been off the charts, or the, the reactions, I should say, not reviews, mm-hmm. um, have been off the charts, positive. People are loving the movie, saying it's the best thing the DCU's done. Maybe one of the best DC movies, period. That is high uh, I think that's a bit hyperbole, but I mean, I, I guess I can't say that. I haven't seen the movie. Who's seen it? Uh, I don't know, over a couple dozen people. Anyone, anyone I would respect? Uh, Ash Crosen saw it. Oh, okay. She loved it. Um, she's terrific. She is. She's great. Um, and I'm trying to think who else. I mean, th- just like the usual crew of people. Okay, great. Peter Scretta from Slash Film, Jermaine Lucier, um, people from Screener. I saw it. Like, okay, it's, it's oh, it's the legit people, not yeah, like anyone yeah. who's like no, I saw it. No, this, this isn't like a Reddit thread of like, right? Not the BVS thing, but just sort of like. Oh, I saw it, and like, are you a hack? I think I could be a hack. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you know what I mean, like things like that. But okay, yeah, no, those are all legit. Yeah, no, yeah, they're they're all legit people. And right, we'll move on to the flyby to close out this episode, starting with Morbius, adding uh, a couple of people this week, starting with Deadline revealed that Jared Harris had joined, and then Variety revealed that Tyrese Gibson joined the cast, while THR then confirmed the roles of each of them, that uh, Harris is playing the mentor to Morbius, and that Gibson is playing a CIA agent who is tracking down the uh, living vampire. So... Interesting casting so far on Morbius. Not super excited or interested in this movie so far, other than like I think Daniel Espinosa is a pretty good director. So like I hope it's good for his sake. Um but Jared Harris as like a mentor doesn't really do much for me, and then Tyrese Gibson just like uh no thanks. Yeah, I don't know. I mean I like like listen, Jared Leto after Blade Runner. I'll watch something he's in next. <laughs> But yeah, they're they're not really giving me like they're not really filling out this cast with like A plus roles. No, like it's Jared Leto, Matt Smith, Asia Arjona, mm-hmm. and then these guys. And it's like, like the Matt Smith casting, good. He'll make a great villain. Yeah, but at least I'm assuming. He, what yeah, he's going he is to be. the he is the villain. Okay, yeah. great. So I don't know. I mean, Tyrese is just I equate him with his. You know, like Fast and Furious role. Fast and Furious role for all that it is, for better or for worse. And then, so if he's making a hard pivot into this, or if they're going to be like a team up thing here going on here, and it's going to be super serious Jared Leto, method acted vampire, and then Tyrese as this, you know, Danny Glover from, you know, uh, Lethal Weapon. I was gonna be like, oh, I don't know if I can handle that. But <laughs> that we'll see. Like a weird we'll give it. We'll give it a chance, but not promising. 
Yeah, uh, THR reported this week also that Wes Ball's Mouse Guard movie has added Thomas Brody Sangster, his star from The Maze Runner, um, as well as Andy Serkis, who will play the villain of the film. Meanwhile, that hashtag show reported that Giancarlo Esposito is also being eyed for a role, mm. um, and that Christian Bale looks like passed on one as well. So, a little disappointed about Christian Bale, but super excited for this movie, even though I don't really know anything about Mouse Guard. Uh, I just know it's Wes Ball who super underrated Maze Runner trilogy is phenomenal and Thomas Brody Sangster is a standout especially of that mm-hmm. third movie so to see him get this leading role even if it is going to be I believe all motion capture we don't actually get to see his face his or Andy Serkis's still good cast good talent and hopefully it'll all come together for a good product I love Brody he's just your he's your good little English boy yeah and and so it'll like, be great and I'm, I'm watching I'm, re- I'm re-watching Game of Thrones right now and I'm like oh mm-hmm. yeah he's in this movie he's in this totally Wait, forgot about this don't tell me Oh yes, that's right. He dies at the skeleton people. Yeah, and then he's yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's also still in Star Wars 7 for like a second. Super weird. He's a first order officer when uh, Finn and Poe are escaping from the hangar. Oh, he's just like And then he dies. <laughs> oh, poor dude. All right. But yeah, he's great. Oh, because he gets he's in the um he's, he's he's in, in the, the command control. center. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, that's right. Yeah, very weird. Um, but we also have uh, got something from THR this week again. Uh, they talked to producer Peter Safran of the DC Universe, uh, and he said that the trench, quote, will come out significantly before Aquaman 2, end quote. So this looks like the trench is going to come out probably 2020 or 2021. That's crazy. Yeah. But also, I mean, it's going to be like a $60 million horror movie mm-hmm. that WB is going to crank out and then be like, it's in the conjuring universe and be like, Remember, we'll all go shrug our shoulders. Okay. okay whatever. We'll and then it. Aquaman's officially in the conjuring universe. And then it just dovetails into all these spinoffs again. So accepted. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for the trench kind of, I mean, just based on like the premise and right. I think once we know more about the cast and where they're exa- actually going and then who's going to direct the film as well, uh, I'll be more excited, but it feels like, this movie is moving very quickly, and I would probably say it's going to go 2020, probably in December, because Warner Brothers also moved Sherlock Holmes 3 out of 2020 in December. And they moved it back a full year to December 21st, 2021, so they have an open release date in that slot. They only have two DC movies coming out in 2020 with Birds of Prey and Wonder Woman 1984. The trench feels like a nice one to slide in there now that Sherlock is taking a year off. Why are you looking at me like that? Is the trench going to be a movie about the dinosaur island? No. No, the the trench is the the the, the trench people. Yeah, but also there's the dinosaur island, so yeah, the but submarine remember, goes in. But remember in. we talked about that Well, you think a submarine's gonna go in there and then it's like the, And they're like, We gotta escape, we're being attacked, and they swim up to Dinosaur Island. I mean I guess it's possible. We yeah. have, we have no idea, is it? Journey to no... the center of the earth. <laughs> type of thing huh. all right but yeah sherlock holmes not in december anymore i mean it's still in december just a year later oh yes so i mean it, it, i was like oh okay like i'm, I'm looking forward to a new, another sherlock holmes movie with jude law and rob Downey jr but mm-hmm. like we still don't know if guy Ritchie's doing it yet and so if this delay is so guy Ritchie can come back I, i'm on board for it yeah that'll work uh and then we also got news from disney this week that maleficent 2 has officially been named maleficent mistress of evil and has been moved up seven months. Instead of coming out in May of next year, it is not coming out October 18th, 2019. Big move by Disney adds more power to their already powerful 2019 slate. Another Angelina Jolie movie here. Wasn't a big fan of the first movie. Um, you weren't I a was big not. fan. I was not a fan of that first Whoa. one. I've only seen it one time, and it was like the couple weekends after it came out. So 
it's probably time I revisit it, and now it looks like I'll have to do it sooner. <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was kind of sweet, like the big twist. That they're actually, familial love is big and important. <laughs> but hey, you know, whatever. Right, this is, I mean, this movie's been like, tossed around to so many places and I just totally stopped following it until this week mm-hmm. I'm like oh that's right that's a thing yeah. I forgot it wasn't even on my radar because I was like oh it's not coming out to next year mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like surprise and then here it is <laughs> comes out in five months <laughs> it's like oh we'll see okay trailers sometime soon then if it's five months it's not it's not really five months it's like what eight months yeah five months no is it really five months we're in March holy crap so it's like yeah Six months. Seven months. Seven months. Seven months. So, now we got that figured out. Yeah. Uh, But lastly here, we got a report from Deadline that acclaimed comic book writer Brian K. Vaughn is going to write the script for the Gundam live-action movie. Uh, So, this is a... Looks like this Gundam movie is actually happening. Don't know anything about Gundam, but Brian K. Vaughn's pretty talented and uh, seems like a good fit, I guess. Yeah. Gundam are big robots. Yes. I do know that. That's all I got. Sorry. And then they're like in space and something. I don't know. They have swords. Yes. Sometimes. And then one of them appeared in Ready Player One. <laughs> That's right. That's the extent of my knowledge. <laughs> They're basically Transformers, but knockoffs, and for, not knockoffs, they're just created somewhere else. Yeah. And they had their own following. That's about it. Yep. That is it. Uh, we'll be back next week with another review. I don't know exactly what it's going to be yet. It's either probably going to be Triple Frontier or Captive State, um, but we'll decide on that later, so just... Uh, Go see both, or we'll keep you up to date on Twitter uh, on what we're going to do exactly. Uh, But we'll also be back this week with a new big question, as we mentioned earlier, tackling what is Captain Marvel's MC future? Now that we've seen the solo movie, there's set up for her future. What is it going to be? We'll break it all down in the big question that drops on Wednesday. And then be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything covered here by Chance at Friends of Film. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review with comments. Tell us why join us for the show. And again, if you do that within the next week, you will be eligible to win a digital copy of First Man for free just for helping out the show. So thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Film Podcast. Josh. Thank you for stopping in, everyone. Be sure to turn next week for our future episodes.